Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KDUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Monday. It's October 16th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The Arizona Cardinals fell to the Rams yesterday. The Diamondbacks get the NLCS started this evening. Plenty to get into from the world of college football and the NFL, plus the Rangers taking game one of the ALCS ahead of this afternoon's game two. Your phone calls, 1030 and 1115, 602-260-1060 is the number to chime in. But before we get into all of that, let's set the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Who wins the NLCS, the Diamondbacks and the Phillies? And the Phillies continue to be out in front here to the tune of 83% of the vote. Diamondbacks trailing at 17%. Phillies have been dominant at home the last two years in the postseason. The Diamondbacks are undefeated in the, this postseason with uh, you know four of their five victories on the road, the two games in Milwaukee and the two games at Dodger Stadium. But uh, you know, Bob Nightingale joined me from USA Today in the uh, last hour during the sports zone. And uh, he thinks this is a pretty big game tonight, the first game of a seven-game series. Usually I don't quite go that far, but I completely agree with him here that uh, the Diamondbacks, uh, with Zach Gallon, I think they need to break through tonight if they're going to you know, make a dent in this series and beat the Phillies. We will officially answer the question around 1130 and plenty of other time to get into our Major League Baseball playoff discussion throughout today's extra point. Let's toss this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Does Joshua Dobbs struggling the last two weeks increase the urgency of Kyler Murray returning? Yes, continues to lead the way here at 72.9% of the vote. No trailing at 27.1%. I would assume that the volume of questions uh, to Jonathan Gannon and and or Monty Austin for it, about, you know, just asking about Murray's progress, which they've been, I think vague is an accurate term uh, when they, this has been brought up in the last you know few months. Uh, they really haven't said anything, at least to my knowledge. I would assume that the 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 uh, the, 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 uh, the number of questions they're asked about Murray's situation will increase after the last couple of games because Dobbs was not good against the Bengals. He was downright awful yesterday. Yes, and we'll dive into that here shortly. Uh, you can always. Answer the question over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060, and we'll officially give our response around 1130 today. As I previously mentioned, feel free to chime in. Plenty to discuss. 1030 and 1115, 602-260-1060. We suffered our first loss of the Friday spread weekend bet. Uh, It was Bears plus three. They gave it an effort. They lost Justin Fields. He's awaiting an MRI results on his thumb and his right hand. 
But we are sitting at 6-1 and one and will look to start a new winning streak this week for Friday spread uh, by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits and the weekend bet. 6-1 uh, and one is still pretty darn yeah. good. So um, that's, that's true. A little more on fields. NFL Network reporting this morning. He could have ligament damage in that thumb. And if he's got limit, limit, uh, ligament damage, easy for me to say, in his thumb, I think that his, it's questionable whether he plays again this season. I would say as someone who has had ligament damage in their thumb, that's probably a fair, fair estimation depending upon how, how bad it is, if it's torn, et cetera. But if you can't grip the football, plus it's on his throwing hand, uh, that's, that's, not, that's not good. Yeah, and if he doesn't play the rest of the season, uh, you know, they have a high draft pick. Um, are they in the Caleb Williams, Williams sweepstakes here? Is Fields, this might have been his last star as a Bears player uh, yesterday. Yeah, that's entirely possible. But you also have to wonder, too, here, um, does the Bears general manager look at things and say, we are going to completely start fresh. So we're going to start with a new head coach. We're going to bring in a whole new new group of people here. And that includes the starting quarterback. Yeah, I think that's certainly an option out there. And, you know, they continue to they've lost home games forever at this point. So... We'll see. And, um, you know, I haven't really talked to any of my Bears friends in Chicago here lately. I'm kind of afraid to even call a couple of them. <laughs> and you know, I don't need to – I don't want to hear them just complain for X number of minutes or however long I'm talking to them. But uh, I can't imagine that the, the Bears fan base, which uh, I didn't quite completely understand until I lived in Chicago for eight or nine years – uh, I'm sure that they are an angry crew right now, and they have been for almost a calendar year. We will talk more about Bears-Vikings as we get into all games from around the NFL, but let's get things started here with the Arizona Cardinals from Sunday afternoon. It was a 26-9 loss to the Rams. The Cardinals are now sitting at 1-5 on the season. For the Cardinals, it was an 0-3 effort in the red zone here. They were held out of the end zone all game long. On the scoreboard, it was a 9-6 lead at half, for the Cardinals statistically the Rams had I think about 121 yards of total offense 101 of it was to Cooper Cup including the 43 yard uh, deep shot there with about 43 seconds to go to get them into field goal range to make it nine to six it was a very strange game plan from Sean McVay to start uh, the game then to start the second half the Rams received the kick and it was eight of ten plays were intended runs marched down the field 10 plays 75 yards 603 off the clock and the Rams took the lead and didn't look back I think I can kind of at least try to understand the game plan here uh you know he spent uh, McVeigh the whole previous week uh looking at the video of last week when the Cardinals couldn't stop you know basically anything or any pass uh specifically to one player <laughs> and uh the Bengals lost so I'm guessing he thought with his two wide receivers and his tight end, then in Matthew Stafford at quarterback, that he could just light it up. Well, that didn't quite work out. Also, they didn't get off the field on defense in the first half. However, in the second half, McVay went back to his, I think it's kind of been lost in a shuffle. Uh, in his success in, in Los Angeles, a large part of that has been A, establishing the running game and living off of play-action passes. 
Well, in the second half, they really certainly established the running game, did some play-action passes, but uh, pretty amazing how uh, the game turned around. I think it actually turned around at the end of the first half. You know, they're up three. They're up six to three. They have a goal. The Cardinals have a goal to go situation. They ended up settling for another Matt Prater field goal and a nine to three lead, and that was pretty much it for the rest of the uh, first. You know, scoring for the Cardinals. Also, the end of that half, I have no idea what they're doing on defense. The Cardinals. I said the same thing all of last week. Why are you not playing a deep zone at that point? They allowed a forty-three yard completion from Stafford to Cooper Cup who inexplicably got behind rookie Keytrail Clark, but why are they not you know, giving some safety help on that play? I don't understand. That turned out to be basically a free three points. You know, just you know, just let's hand them three before over before halftime. And the lead was nine to six. Then the second half, it was just a complete ass kicking at the line of scrimmage when they decided to run the ball. Uh, you know, Kyron Williams rushed for 158 yards. He had 154 in the second half, and he has to, both of his touchdowns in the second half. That's right. Uh, and Cooper Cup ended the day seven catches, 148 yards, one touchdown. This was at half. Uh, Keytrail Clark had allowed four receptions for 83 yards and a uh, um, and a score on. This was actually for for the game. Has allowed four receptions for 83 yards and a score on four targets as the nearest defender in coverage per Next Gen stats. So he had a bit of a, a rough game as well. What's up with this cornerback thing? One week you have a, you know, Hamilton starts after he didn't play basically the first four games. Then you know, Clark gets benched. Then after the bad game, which actually I thought that Hamilton was like the least of their problems against the Bengals, at least individually, he's benched and Clark starts again. And it, I don't understand what they're doing week to week on defense as far as their substitution pattern, just their rotation at cornerback. I'm confused. I agree. Uh, flipping this to the offensive side of the ball, Joshua Dobbs was 28 of 41, 235 yards, one interception, and he missed a lot of open receivers. He did rush the ball for seven carries, 47 yards. As we know, the team was going to be without James Conner. They're going to be without him for a while. So running back kind of by committee here, Keontae Ingram got the start, 10 carries, 40 yards. Damian Wilson, uh, El or Damian Williams elevated to the active roster, eight carries. 36 yards and Amari Di Mercado two carries for 11 yards when it comes to some of those open receivers that were missed. Let's take a timeout can we take a timeout right now with the running back situation what is going on there I mean Ingram you know, he had a season high 10 carries he had 21 total carries before yesterday uh, Williams off the practice squad as you mentioned eight times for 32 yards Demarcado, who had two yards, uh, two carries for 11 yards yesterday. W what's up with that? This is after he had 10 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown. I assume that they were going to be make sure he wasn't in pass blocking situations, but he basically wasn't on the field at all in, the, in this game yesterday. And two other guys were ahead of him clearly. My only thought here uh, is that Keontae Ingram was, you know, inactive in the previous game and Damian Williams wasn't on the active roster in the previous game. So once they made that decision, Amari uh, went back to being uh, the third running back. Yeah, but like I said, he had, he, Ingram had 10 carries on the season before yesterday. Uh, and, you know, Williams, I, I forgot he was even on the roster. Uh, I mean, it's, I just don't understand – 
how they become their primary ball carriers ahead of DeMarcado, who actually did run the ball well against the Bengals. Yeah, and to that point, for when Ingram has been in the game and having opportunities, his inefficiency uh, has has really been tested. Yeah, I don't get that. Another thing I don't get is this Michael Wilson thing. Uh, for some reason, he's not part of the offense for a second straight week. On uh, a Sunday, he got targeted four times. Seemed like three of those were kind of late in the game. And the week before, he didn't get any targets for the first 57 minutes. And this was after week four when he was sensational at San Francisco, which has a really good defense. And Wilson caught seven passes for 76 yards and two touchdowns in that game. He's been like invisible in the offensive plan since then. I don't understand that either. Marquise Brown, four catches, 34 yards on 11 targets. And then you also had the situation there uh, in the second half where the Cardinals had got it into Rams territory. And I'm not sure if this was Josh Dobbs uh, just threw the ball behind Zach Ertz or if Ertz was supposed to kind of sit down in a zone, if that was what the expectation was from Dobbs. Regardless, it ended up being behind Ertz uh, off of his hands and it ended up being an interception. So you took points off of the board there. Yeah. I'm guessing that was a Dobbs thing just based on the fact that he's been extremely inconsistent. I think he's been actually consistent. He's been consistently bad accuracy-wise the last two weeks. And quite frankly, this is pretty much what we saw in his college days for the most part and in, uh, in his early NFL days before he had a surprising, accurate first three or four weeks with the Cardinals. This is kind of what we had seen before in these last two weeks. So the last two weeks here, I think, uh, have highlighted that we've really reached the point where the team's limitations are on full display, that, you know, they continue to to play with energy and effort, but they're unable to solidify the job. The, you know, the lack of depth is there, evidenced by, uh, you know, the star players that they do have on this roster are out injured right now. So being able to try to make up for that, in addition to just kind of the, the lack of key positions, having some of that depth and, and, and um, star power, if you will, I think is certainly on display. And then as Doug Haller pointed out, the Cardinals have been outscored 28 to 30 in the second half. And I think that also kind of highlights some of the limitations that are being shown. Well, I got, I brought up the second half situation in the fourth quarter, specifically last week in some detail. And I thought I had those numbers here updated. Maybe I don't. I thought I did. Uh, but I guess I don't have it handy right now. Oh, here we go. Uh, they've been outscored 55 to 29 in the second half this season, and now 64 to seven in the fourth quarter. And I think all that a lot. Well, like a lot of that has to do with the fact that let's face it, even when fully healthy, uh, most people thought, and I didn't disagree, and I haven't changed my mind that this is the least talented roster in the NFL. Head coach Jonathan Gannon did say this post game here, uh, maybe put some more points on the board, would have helped us in the second half, give up a field goal at the two-minute. I thought they gained some momentum from that. Defensively in the first half, we played well. Offense probably missed some opportunities in the second half. We didn't stop the run well enough and kind of playing left-handed, you know, had the turnover there, and then it got out of hand. Um he, he got to coach. We have got to coach and play better for four quarters. We show spurts, but we're not consistent enough throughout 60 minutes to win a game. 
Yeah, I think all coaches, you know, I shouldn't say all. Many, most coaches, I'll go most coaches, most coaches say the right thing at the end of games and blah de da uh, I think that Gannon is actually more, I'm going to say the right thing and not throw my players under the bus, which I'm sure the players understand. But the bottom line is, you know, they basically tanked the season before it started and we're in, the, we're in full tank mode at this point. I got asked last night if I thought the Cardinals would win another game the rest of the season, and I couldn't say yes with any conviction. Yeah, I was looking up the schedule as well. Uh, it certainly has a lot of uh, teams where you say to yourself, oh, they, they can play pretty well. Uh, you might have something against the Falcons. Uh, maybe you would have thought the Texans before C.J. Stroud and how he's really developed and been developing as a rookie quarterback. So there's, there's definitely an uphill climb here for the Cardinals, especially if some of the key players remain on the injured list. Um, we know the limitations that they have roster-wise. We know the rebuilding process, the moves that they made to, to get draft picks uh, ahead of next year's draft to try to turn this thing around. It was going to be uh, more than just this offseason to get it done. I, so with that in mind, how do we go about trying to figure out if this coaching staff is, you know, making those key adjustments in game? How do we go about figuring out if the game plan uh, kind of matches up to what we would expect to see from from an NFL team and an NFL coaching staff? Or do we kind of not even be able to understand that side of things because of the roster situation? That's entirely possible, but I actually haven't had uh, have not had too much of a problem with Petsing. I think that uh, he's done a good job putting his players, the offensive coordinator, uh, in the best position to you know be- make some plays. Um, even yesterday, I thought the, you know, he did a pretty good job of that. But if your quarterback is in- inaccurate, it doesn't really matter uh, if you actually you know you know basically drawing up the right plays or calling the right plays. Defensively, after the last two weeks, I'm completely baffled as to what the plan is here. I know you're trying to make a, you know, they don't have a, there, there can't be a team in the NFL that has less defensive talent than the Arizona Cardinals. However, you know, the job of a coach and manager in baseball, I've said for 100 years, is to put your team in the best position to win. And I don't think that Rollis is doing that in the defensive side of the ball right now. I just don't understand. Uh, you know, obviously we went through the Jamar Chase thing last week. You know, how could you let one guy just kill you when he's the only guy on the other team that could really make a play? And then this week, what is the point of, you know, what are they doing defensively? Can they, you know, maybe like, you know, Tampa 2. How about one of those once in a while, especially at the end of that first half when they just handed them three points in a game at the time that looked like three points might actually decide the game. It is a 26-9 loss for the Cardinals. They are 1-5 on the season. We'll get into more around the NFL on the other side of the break. We'll take your calls around 10.30 and 11.15. The number is 602-260-1060 if you'd like to chime in. We'll do that 10.30 and 11.15 today. But more NFL discussion is coming up next. Plus, we have the Diamondbacks getting the NLCS Game 1 started tonight. That's a 5.07 uh, first pitch on TBS with Zach Gallen up against Zach Wheeler, the 
battle of the Zacks uh, on the mound tonight. So we'll get into much more around the Arizona Diamondbacks, too, uh, in hour number two of today's Extra Point. All happening here on KDUS AM 1060, online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point on this Monday, October 16th. Bob Kemp, Caleb Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, we'll go around the NFL there are no more undefeated teams in the league. We'll talk about those games here momentarily, but we'll get things started with the contest from London. You had the Ravens and the Titans facing off with the Ravens winning 24-16. to The Titans lost quarterback Ryan Tannehill to an ankle injury prior to him leaving. 8 of 16, 76 yards, one interception, and two sacks. Malik Willis came on in uh, relief for a 5, 74 yards, and four sacks for him. On the other side of things, when we're still trying to figure out this Ravens offense, Lamar Jackson, 21 of 30, 223 yards, one touchdown, one pick. But the Ravens were just one of six in the red zone, needed a lot of Justin Tucker field goals in this one. Yeah, it's six of them. Um, Yet another unwatchable game in London. Uh, How many of these games in foreign countries have actually been any good? I'm going to say for many years, it seems like almost every one of these games is really bad. And I uh, wish I had profited more because it seems like almost all of them go under the total. Yeah, they're not good. And it's just going to get uh, there's just more of them. I mean, we have two in November coming up that are going to be in Germany. Uh, and then if you just think about how uh, the possibility of expansion is something that is mulling over in the NFL's mind. So uh, this could be a permanent thing sooner rather than later. Great. Look forward to that. Um, anyway, so um, this game, it was, you know, I think should have been kind of a preview of the entire day in general, general because yesterday, without question, was the worst day of quality football that the NFL's had this season. And the first time I've actually thought this on a Sunday slash Monday uh, this year, that this was pretty much unwatchable football close to league-wide. Uh, I would agree with that. And, I mean, aside from just a few games here and there, six weeks haven't been great. I actually think the first, you know, I haven't been all that uh, disgusted, disappointed, disappointed, et cetera, until yesterday. I just thought yesterday was atrocious. Um, So they really, I mean, I don't even know what the best game was yesterday. Looking back, I I don't even know how to answer that question. Um, if you define it as quality, then I'm not sure we have one on the list. Yeah, if we right, define right. it as close score, then we have a few. Well, yeah, close score and good games never correlate. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. Almost ne- rarely in the NFL do they correlate because more games in the NFL are lost than won. And yesterday, if you want to use that mantra, is the best example by far this year that that has occurred. 
The Dolphins 42, the Panthers 21. The Panthers opened up with 14 straight points, but the Dolphins came storming back. Tua, 21 of 31, 262 yards, three touchdowns. Raheem Mostert at running back, 17 carries, 115 yards, and two touchdowns. And I'm seeing this morning, according to Ian Rappaport, uh, that it looks like play calling duties for the Panthers will uh, no longer lie with head coach Frank Wright. They're being passed along to offensive coordinator thomas brown who was hired by frank reich uh so we'll see how that goes uh yeah i think i've maybe been um you know validated with my opinion of frank reich for the last hundred years as an offensive coordinator slash head coach but uh, everybody in the metrics world thought he was a genius in his time with the colts and i just watched him lose games on a regular basis with his dumbass metric based decisions when he was with the colts and now I can't even blame him for that because he just uh, they don't have much. Their offensive line is really bad. Um, I don't think I really learned anything in this game, quite frankly. Uh, Carolina is a bad team. Uh, and uh, the Dolphins are, you know, they're really good when they're by far the superior team athletically. And they're going to be that most weeks. But when they get a team that likes to bully them, they lose. The Dolphins are ahead in the AFC East at 5-1. and one. The Saints and the Texans here. The Texans hold on to win 20-13. to 13. C.J. Stroud, we had talked about this on Friday. Was this going to be the chance that uh, right. he ended up getting his first interception? But kind of crazy set of circumstances, right? So he does throw his first pick in the That's NFL. Correct. But on the exact same play that the Saints defenders running back with the interception, Nico Collins hustles, punches the ball out from the defender. It's recovered by the Texans, and then they end up scoring a touchdown on the drive. So no harm, no foul for that first interception for C.J. Stroud. That's true. This is kind of a matchup of a team that I think I was maybe right about before the season started and be improved. And if Houston, uh, it looks like they're going to get their offensive line back intact finally next week which really hasn't been the case for any game this season. Uh, they've now they've already matched their season win total for last season with three. Uh, so that's a good start there. So they've been uh, better than uh, most thought, and I think that they've done a really nice job defensively with a lot of the same players. So uh, D'Amico Ryans, I think, deserves a lot of credit for that. On the other hand, the Saints, to me, the most disappointing team in the NFL. Thought that they had the easiest schedule in the league before the uh, season began. Uh, Derek Carr, somehow the Saints offense had 430 yards and scored 13 points. Uh, And uh, a lot of that is on Derek Carr. He missed a lot of open receivers and really pivotal times of the game. Yeah, to your point, they uh, they outgained the Texans 430 to 297 yards. They were also 0 for 3 in the red zone and missed a couple of field goals in the game. And both teams, with different expectations heading in, are sitting at 3 and 3 on the season. Yeah, and at least two of those missed field goals came after Carr missed wide open receivers for touchdowns. The Commanders and the Falcons here. The Commanders 24, Falcons 16. Arthur Smith sidelines reactions said it all uh desmond ritter with an end zone interception more chances later on more interceptions in all for desmond ritter 28 of 47 307 yards two touchdowns and three picks and bob we no longer have to talk about desmond ritter at home thank god this undefeated college and pro crap uh he had three interceptions yesterday i think this was maybe the poster game of bad football yesterday from both teams 
Uh, Washington was uh, – Sam Howell was pretty good early in the game, but you wondered if he was going to complete a pass later in the game or have time to throw to complete a pass later in the game. Uh, about the only good thing out of this game is that Clayus Campbell, former Cardinal, uh, had his 100th career sack and uh, congratulate him and known a lot of and uh, had an opportunity to meet a lot of professional athletes over the years. And I can't think of one that has uh, it's been more classy than him. So I'm very happy that he's a still playing, uh, B still playing at a high level. And that equals a 100th career sack. The Colts and the Jaguars here. Uh, Jaguars 37, Colts 20. I would say that this game was not as close as this score even indicates. Um, Question for you, Bob. Has there ever been a quarterback in the league that looks so good in a backup role when the starting quarterback has to leave the game mid-game due to injury and then when he has to start the game looks equally as bad in Gardner Minshew? I actually thought he had some pretty good years or moments, I should say, and I guess it was one or one and a half years as a starter in Jacksonville. Yesterday he was, you know, you look at the numbers, 33-55 for 329. You think, oh, that's not too bad. I had one touchdown and three picks. It was really bad uh, when it mattered the most, and I actually thought the Colts would have a very good chance to win this game. I thought very wrong on this. Uh, Jacksonville's won three in a row. They actually won a game in Jacksonville. That's encouraging. Um, I'm starting to think that this defense might be okay. It's certainly been good during this three-game winning streak. Uh, and Josh Allen, after I called him out, has been like a sack machine for like the last three weeks since then. I'm sure you know, some of his handlers found out that there's more on talk show host in Phoenix that thinks you're just not performing to, uh, to your capabilities. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we'll see what's up with Trevor Lawrence. I uh, left with a knee injury or knee problem. Late in the game, he wasn't damaged enough uh, to not talk to the media, talk to the media after the game. But uh, one of several players who have, like, MRIs or further examination situations today around the NFL. That's right. Uh, he was 20 of 30, 181 yards, two touchdowns, one, one pick, was calling it a knee bruise, but the MRI to determine things for Trevor Lawrence. But also we have to keep in mind here, it's a short week for the Jaguars, a Thursday night game against the Saints. Can't wait for that contest. Another sterling NFL game. That's the kind of game, seriously, though, that the Jags have kind of screwed up and lost in recent years, as recently as last season, and especially the first half of the season. Uh, if they want to try to convince me and maybe some others that aren't real sure yet, they absolutely positively have to beat the Saints the way the Saints are playing right now. Going Further around the NFL on the other side of the break, our Monday reactions to the games here from Sunday afternoon. We'll dive into that here next on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Plus, if you'd like to chime in, call now. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060 is the number. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. 
1041 right here on KDUS AM 1060. It is the extra point on this Monday, October 16th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. We'll continue our discussion from the Sunday slate of games across the NFL here momentarily. But as promised, it's phone call time. If you'd like to chime in, 602-260-1060 is the number. So let's pop on out to the KDOS hotline, get to Al in Phoenix. What's on your mind today, Al? Hi, Caleb and Bob. Uh, Bob, you know, you were telling us that the, we should be wary of the Pac-12, that a lot of those teams weren't very good, or as good as their record would seem to indicate. And it kind of looks like there is a lot of mediocre, mediocrity in the conference. You know, you see Oregon State got beat up by Washington State, and you're thinking Washington State's good, and they've been destroyed the last two games. And then, uh, you know, I was thinking UCLA might be, you know, for real, and then they got beat <laughs> up by Oregon State, so... I don't know what to think about the conference. I mean, I guess Washington is the is the premier team. Would you say? I think it's better than mediocre uh, overall. There's never been this many good quarterbacks that I can remember in this conference. And remember, this conference has had a lot of good quarterbacks over the years. That's something we talked about with Ted Robinson last Friday in the Sports Zone. Uh, but I'm still, if I were you know the Pac-12, I'm not even sure who is the Pac-12 anymore as far as executives or anything else. But I would be a little concerned that at the end of the year, they're all going to have one or two losses and are any of these teams going to make the college football playoff? That's a good question. You, US, you're certainly right. USC was exposed. <laughs> Big, even Caleb Williams, you know, three interceptions. Do you think that takes some of the luster off of him or it's just a blip on the radar? Uh, I think he can forget about being uh, the uh, next two-time Heisman Trophy winner. So I guess you know, the Archie Griffin family is probably smiling after watching that game against Notre Dame on Saturday night. Even though I don't think a whole lot of that, quite frankly, is Williams. Their offensive line, we talked about that well, last week with Scott Wolf uh, from USC Insider. Their offensive line is suspect, and their offensive line really contributed a lot to the problems that Williams had on Saturday. They were really bad. Notre Dame's front four, not not well, actually really the front seven because they got a stud linebacker inside, but the, their front, let's put it that way, the Notre Dame front just dominated that game. And then you're, you know, you said we're thinking about the Cardinals. I think you're right. I don't think the Cardinals aren't going to win another game this year. I mean, I don't. I'm not even sure how Dallas lost to them. You know, they just must. I'm not. That, that was. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that part. I'm not really. I, I didn't. Ex- I'm not exactly. Yeah, I think it's. I got asked last night for people who missed it earlier whether I thought the Cardinals would win another game this season, and I'm not sure. I'm not saying for sure that they won't, because there are a lot of really bad teams in the NFL, more than I think uh, I could have imagined, and I didn't think that. Uh, the NFL had uh, – I thought there were a lot of bad teams before the season started. There's more than I actually you know, dreamed of, or you know, dreamed is probably the wrong word. Uh, but uh, but I'm not real sure where you know, the wins come from. Who, who are they going to beat at this point? You know, maybe the Rams here, but you know, the Rams are maybe not bad. They just didn't show up for a half yesterday. And then when they decided to run the ball, it was uh, they just basically dominated the Cardinals physically in that game. And I still don't understand what the hell the Cardinals were doing as far as uh, what is their defensive plan from not just from week to week, but sometimes even series to series. I'm completely surprised. What are they? You know, I just don't know what they're trying to accomplish. I, I, they don't have much to work with, obviously. 
but it seems like they can be put in better spots to at least hang in there. Did you get a chance to see the 49ers-Browns uh, game? Yeah, as much as I could stand. Um, you know, the, the you know, thing that was... so many flags. I mean, God, that was crazy. That's true. Well, and I thought the Niners got hosed twice on that last series that led to Agreed. the field goal. Uh, but, you know, the Niners still marched the ball down the field right after that, which, you know, was pretty shocking, quite frankly, because they had done almost nothing in the second half of that game. And I'm sure we're going to get that game with Kayla here in a couple of moments, so I'll save the save the good stuff for then. But uh, the, the Niners still could have won, but, you know, you miss a 41-yard field goal, which back in the day used to be quite a feat. Now it's uh, automatic if uh, you have a 41-yard field goal and you miss it, it you're, you're the uh, – you're the uh, village idiot at that point. All right. Well, thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kayla. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll take some more phone calls around 1115 today. Continuing with the NFL discussion from Sunday's slate of games, let's go to Cincinnati with the Seahawks and the Bengals. The Bengals hold on to win 17-13. to The Seahawks had so many chances to get a win. The Seahawks, though, were just 1-5 of five in the red zone, 5-12 of 12 on third down, 0-2 of two on fourth down. Geno Smith, 27-41, of 320. 23 yards, but two interceptions. Uh, conversely, the Bengals were two of two in the red zone, so they took advantage of those opportunities. Three of 11 on third down. Yeah, this notion that the Bengals are okay, I'm a little baffled by this. I mean, one thing that clearly, and we talked about this after the Cardinals game here, Burrow is certainly healthier now. For a second straight week, they had designed rollouts, and you know a lot of what he does is out of the pocket type of stuff. I mean, that's designated, you know, predetermined out of the pocket. It would be nice if T. Higgins could a catch a pass uh, and uh, b get more targets, but maybe he's not getting more targets because he's dropped a whole lot of passes when he's played this year. He did come back and play in this game yesterday, but only had two catches in the contest. Uh, so I'm a little confused. They had 214 yards and got two touchdowns, and now they're supposed to be back. Uh, so I don't quite buy that. Their offensive line, I think, is still really bad. I questioned last week whether Geno Smith, maybe it was a one-year thing uh, where he was really good last year. He had two really bad interceptions in this game. They had a billion yards and hardly any point. They had 381 yards and 14 points. Uh, and as you mentioned, they're really bad in the red zone. And I think there are legitimate questions of whether Gino is to kind of, uh, you know, why he was not playing for like almost a decade, it seemed, after he came into the NFL and he had a tremendous year last year. Maybe that was just a one-year thing. He did get, you know, left tackle Charles Cross back, uh, and they're supposed to have their, their entire offensive line intact when they play the Cardinals next Sunday. But I think uh, – Big question right now for me is, is Geno an NFL starting quarterback on a good team or a decent team? Yeah, and to further that point, too, I mean, this wasn't just the Seahawks, one of five in the red zone. I was just appalled at how many teams – uh, couldn't punch it in for, for six in the red zone uh, this week. And I know things get yeah. a lot harder when you get down into the red zone. I know that. But also, we just kind of have, I, I guess, that's the the offensive prowess. That's the the signs of a, of a great offense is to be able to come up with the, with the opportunities there to punch it in for six. 
Well, I heard this morning on an NFL podcast, uh, Inside the NFL, the NFL.com podcast with those guys, uh, that uh, the red zone touchdown efficiency right now in the NFL is at the lowest rate it has been since 2012. Whew. That's bad. That's a long time ago. It's like 11 years. (laughs) (laughs) We will definitely get to the Browns and the 49ers and the Jets and the Eagles on the other side of the break. The Eagles and the 49ers undefeated no more. And if we have some time, we'll get into some of the other NFL contests from yesterday. But for sure, those two games next here in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Powered by Superbook Sports this Monday, October 16th edition. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Wrapping up our number one of the extra point here on KDUS AM 1060, as always online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, continuing the NFL conversation from yesterday. And we get into the teams that were undefeated heading into Sunday, and they are no more. The Browns topping the 49ers uh, 19 to 17. Injuries mounting up, though, for the 49ers in this game. Debo Samuel left injured with a shoulder. X-rays negative. MRI to follow today. Christian McCaffrey left injured with an oblique injury, and I believe they've now attached uh, ribs as well to part of the injury designation. So we have to wait to find out how those two players for the 49ers are doing. Arguably, this was the worst game of Brock Purdy's career. 12 of 27, 125 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But despite that, the tough sledding, he gave his team a chance at the end of the game. Jake Moody misses a 41-yarder. Moody actually missed twice on the day uh, for uh, this contest. I am a little surprised that with all the injuries that did mount, the offense didn't look to try to target George Kittle more. One catch, one yard, two targets. In fact, uh, I don't even think it's arguable that this was the worst Kyle Shanahan, you know, you know, offense since he's been in San Francisco. If you want to go stats, 215 total yards as the fewest yards they've had in any game uh, in San Francisco as Shanahan as the head coach. Uh, on the other side of things, the, the Browns win with P.J. Walker as the coach, and it looks like Deshaun Watson with his rotator cuff thing might be out for even a while longer. You know, this is a, this is a weird deal. Remember, I remember the the first week that Watson got didn't play. Remember, he was kind of the late scratch, right? And they thought it was going to be like a one week thing. So now we're sitting on two weeks that he's missed, right? And then a bye week in between, and now he may not play next week. 
Yeah, interestingly enough, because we didn't really know he was injured. He popped up on the injury report. Then it was as though he was going to work out day of and see how he felt. Didn't play. Late scratch. Uh, DTR gets the start. Everyone thinks, oh, there's a bye in between. He'll come back. Now he could be out for more prolonged time. So interestingly enough there uh, for for the Browns and, and now the position that they find themselves in in the AFC North for the 49ers here. A little bit of a blip on the radar, I think. But those two players with those injuries, I think, are really important. And they also lost Trent Williams for a while in this game, and he actually came back and played in the afterwards. But he missed at least one series uh, because of injury. And so the good news is that he came back. Uh, the bad news is, you know, Debo, unfortunately for him, has been hurt almost every year of his career whether it's college or pro, whether it's in South Carolina or with the, uh, with the 49ers. Remember, he even got hurt in the offseason that one year. Uh, so something seemingly, uh, unfortunately, wrong with him with high frequency. And then McCaffrey had been unscathed since he left Carolina, to my recollection, since he left Carolina until yesterday. For the Jets and the Eagles, the Eagles undefeated no more with the Jets winning 20-14. to The Eagles did not score any points in the second half. Lane Johnson left the game. Uh, it is believed to be a high ankle sprain for him. That proved to be pivotal for the offensive line. Also, they lost Reed Blankenship, Eli Ricks in the game. Uh, Jalen Hurts, he had a rough contest, 28-45, one touchdown and three interceptions, including the critical interception at the end of the game. No run game to speak of for the Eagles with Hurts, the leading ball rusher, eight carries, 47 yards and a touchdown, but Swift, 10 carries, 18 yards, Gainwell, two carries, 13 yards. That's because they threw it 45 times. What What's the deal there? I mean, the Jets' rushing defense was actually not good, uh, oftentimes not good, and basically in the season, you know, subpar uh, before this, and it was like air hurts from the start. Uh, they were you know, they were 20-1 and one, uh, with Nick Siriano as the head coach when they led by double digits. Now it's 20-2, and two. Uh, so we'll see what's going on with that. Obviously, remember... The Jalen Carter with the ankle injury and Darius Slay with the knee injury didn't even play in this game. So they were down six defensive starters by the end of this game. How much do they miss Shane Steichen as the offensive play caller? Because the offense also just doesn't seem to be in rhythm. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I don't, I, certainly yesterday it's easy to point that out. 45 pass attempts against a team that had some problems stop, stopping the run. Why aren't you running the ball? Hour number two of the Extra Point is coming up on the other side of the break. We'll dive into the Major League Baseball playoffs with the Arizona Diamondbacks getting the NLCS started tonight. Zach Gallen on the mound. All of that ahead in hour number two. 